All right, let's dig in. God pitched his tent among us by Henry Nouwen. You can tell by now I like Henry's stuff, right? (laughs) It's short, it's got a quick punch, and I can fit in whatever. It's really awesome. When St. John says that fear is driven out by perfect love, he points to a love that comes from God, a divine love. He does not speak about human affection, psychological compatibility, mutual attraction, or deep interpersonal feelings. All of that has its value and beauty, but the perfect love about which St. John speaks embraces and transcends all feelings, emotions, and passions. The perfect love that drives out all fear is the divine love in which we are invited to participate. The home, the intimate place, the place of true belonging is therefore not a place made by human hands. It is fashioned for us by God who came to pitch his tent among us, invite us to his place and prepare a room for us in his own house. Uh, if there's a theme that has um, been a consistent theme here at Hope Fellowship, it's do not fear in the last two years. Like in, what, how many weeks? Three weeks? It'll be two exact years of COVID lockdown stuff because it was the second Sunday of our own services here when we first moved. Remember, we, we moved. <laughs> we still haven't really restarted yet, <laughs> which is weird. You know, we haven't had that, okay, we got a new place, let's go. How can we be a church that connects better? And who are we as a body of people? And we have not been able to continue that conversation, and it's coming soon. I'm excited about that. But fear has been a big one. There's been a lot of fear from multiple sides. And that's caused a lot of negative fighting, which doesn't help. You know, sometimes we get into conversations and arguments and discussions and um, the pro and for and against any topic, it becomes unhelpful because it's where we've stopped in front of the wrong tree and picked fruit from the tree of right and wrong. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's more right? Who's more wrong? Yeah, well, my right trumps your wrong because, because, hmm, (laughs) like little kids. (laughs) So... This is the answer. And I've been trying to steer us in this direction of God's love that lives in us, that we're fused to and in union with. We live from that love, not the fear that's been put onto us through the news and, and all this stuff. Now, it doesn't mean we don't listen to it. We just, we just need to process it wisely and have healthy, meaningful discussions. I think Hope Fellowship has helped me process um, differing opinions well. (laughs) Because we have, even on our own leadership team, different opinions of this COVID stuff. And honestly, we're learning to hear each other. And we've also had times where we say, we don't talk about guys. This is not about our opinions. This is about being leaders and how we help this church function. We got to get our opinions out of it and, and be the leaders who love and lead with love in the best way. And suddenly the fighting stops. It's really cool. (laughs) And I'm still learning that. I've not perfected it at all, but I'm learning. That's why I shared this with you. 
let's remember that God has pitched his tent in us. Terrell just picked a song there, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. My goodness, that was, that was my wonderful revelation 20 years ago. Realizing Christ is actually in me, not just with me. Repeated that many times. But over the years, I have come to realize there's one theme when I meet new people or when I was doing youth ministry with Lori and all that kind of stuff, I think the one theme that has been consistent in my funeral work, in the chaplaincy work, wherever I go, there's a theme. People have an opinion about who they think God is. And they speak from that opinion, faulty or good. Everybody. That's why I want to dispel some of this. It's hard to convince people that a God they can't see loves them when a church they can see doesn't seem to even like them. Do you ever think about that? Well, now you do. We're thinking about it, and I know what they mean. Most people who walk away from God don't walk away from the God of true love. Instead, they walk away from a small g God that you and I would walk away from too. We, we uh, kind of talked about this last week a little bit. Everyone lives their lives based on their concept of who they think God is. Everyone. And I see this in all my conversations with almost anybody. Even here, when we chat, we're exploring and learning and discovering a more hope-filled perspective of who God is. And that's exciting. It's not being legislated and dictated. Here's what you have to believe. That doesn't go over very well anyway. God's love is not a spigot that turns off and on based on your performance. This speaks to my upbringing, which means it's a concept of God. And I think we need to revisit that. So as we, we've been talking about this term deconstruction or discipleship to keep continuing to grow in Christ, this topic of who is God. And there are faulty concepts. So today, I want to call out or highlight some of the, a lot of the faulty concepts of who God is. And maybe you can identify with them. And maybe you may have been sucked into one of those again and need to be pulled back out and go, oh, that's not correct I need to see a healthier picture of who God is. So, where do they come from? Where do these faulty concepts come from? And I believe they originate in the Garden of Eden. There's blindness, there's lostness, darkness, dead in sin. This is what happened in the Garden. Adam and Eve were tricked into perceiving God as someone other than God was. And God was withholding something from them. That's what they thought. But that's not true. And they were tricked into believing there was something lacking in themselves. They believed a lie that they could become more like God. Right there. That they could become more like God. But the fact is they already were like God. That was the lie. That was the lie. You see, when they sinned, God came in knowing full well what they did. And he didn't come in with his, where are you? <laughs> Which is a... A false lens that we have of God, isn't it? That's another one. You'll find it in my list that I'm going to share with you. i got a pretty lengthy list. But God didn't walk into the garden as he did every day to meet with them and connect with them and hang out. He didn't come in all scowled and upset. So, okay, what would you guys do? Oh, you do that in your own home. What do the kids do? Ping, they're gone. They hide. <laughs> but 
guess what? They hid. And they were ashamed. Something happened to them in their minds. It never, listen carefully, it never happened in the mind of God. That's really important to remember. All the translations will allude to that. They were tricked. And it's happened today, and it's the continued lie right down through history. A God who is annoyed or impatient with us is something we have a misconception of. Or a God that's too busy, a calendar that's overbooked, can barely squeeze you in for an appointment. How many times do we think of God like that? Oh, God, God's too busy to hear my little prayer. Someone you have to leave a voicemail with. Your problem is too small compared to the real problems in this world. A lot of people, when they ask about prayer, they, this, is, this is what comes up. They perceive, they can't pray because they perceive this first. First, they think they've done something wrong. God's ticked off with them. So nobody wants to talk to somebody when they're ticked, right? Yes. I won't pull up too many illustrations. I'll get in trouble. Or a God that's too busy, you know, like, oh, come on, hurry up. Yes, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Okay, that, good prayer, fine, go on. Uh, that's, that concept hinders intimacy. It hinders the willingness of our heart to want to communicate to the one who is constantly reaching out in love to us at all times. There's never a time the arms are not outstretched welcoming. Ever. The moment you think, this happens, it's in your mind things have changed, not God's. Really, really, really important. <laughs> you have to get your request in fast and clear. There's no room for mumbling. Boy, did we learn how to pray in my church growing up. We are given uh, an uh, acronym for how to pray, petition, whatever. We had all these words. Uh, and then we have lists of how to pray because you better get your praise in first because God won't hear your request until you make him feel good and tell him he's really wonderful. Does that sound like humanity to you? Does that sound like an ego-driven person? We've got to appease God, make him feel good. It's called manipulation, by the way, Right? Say the right things, massage in, and then, then when you, just when their attitude's all warm, they're going, boom, get your request in because he's feeling good. Do you know who else did that? Philip. When he asked, hey, can you show us the Father? He had just finished telling them. <laughs> and he says, Be, uh, Philip, 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 Philip. <laughs> if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I just finished telling you all this. Just trying to get it in when you think you've behaved well enough, you've had a good enough attitude. It's performance-based acceptance. It's awful. It's like a, a politician on a tight schedule, or a doctor in an emerging emergency ward, or a lawyer billing you by the minute. There is no intimacy there. It's all about the duty of praying or connecting, not about relationship, which is the primary difference. Kurt Collinger, um, I believe... I, th I'm, I think he's the one in the Skit Guys videos who plays uh, the older gentleman with the beard. I, I'm, I forgot to look that up, but uh, years and years ago, we're talking 30 years ago, oh my goodness, he had, there was a video called uh, God, uh, oh shoot, he had this, these, these misconceptions of who God was, and this is, this is where my most, some of this comes from, and then I have another author who also did the same thing. And I want to share these depictions with you because you'd be surprised how many people see God like this. 
And the one video he does, he's, he plays the butler. So he comes in dressed up like a butler. Says, yes, how may I serve you? He's a better actor, of course. But he's, how can I serve you? And, and it's like this over-pleasing, over-serving, whatever you want. You know, it's like the Santa Claus that you only go to for your needs. You know, bring all your requests before God. And is God Santa Claus? Well, you better not pout. You better not cry. You know, he's watching you. Yes, he's watching you. Like, there's some weird concepts here that overlap into who God is. And there's false concepts we get from kids' stories, from misunderstood Bible stories, to really bad sermons. <laughs> it happens, you know. Uh, or bad songs even. Oh, my goodness. Some of the songs we've, we've sung in the past that do not reflect who God really is. Uh, that uh, uh, God is just the help. You know, you call him, you know, for, for help, like a servant, like the, in the show Downton Abbey, there's the upstairs, downstairs uh, separation. You're of a different class. Seriously, the class is a problem in the church, especially in a well-established larger church and a well-established smaller church. There isn't about, it's not about church size. There's the class of we've been here we know everything here. You are coming to us, and we'll see if you're worthy enough to stay. We'll tell you we love you, and you're accepted, but don't you dare mess up, because we'll kick you out in a heartbeat. And you better agree to everything we say. <laughs> what does that do for your image of who God is? Because the church is supposed to represent the love of Christ, which is what that meme was I talked about earlier. A police officer, yes. Yes, this is a good one. And the Western Sheriff, I think in the, and Kurt Collinger does the Western Sheriff one, dresses up like ready to, he's got his guns ready, waiting for you to cross that line. And oh, don't you dare cross that line because if you cross that line, oh, I am so ready for you to cross that line. Yeah, come on, I dare you. Yeah, that's a God I want to cozy up to. <laughs> that is not who God is. He's not like a cop waiting for you to mess up, hiding at that speed trap, just waiting for, oh, here they come. <laughs> speed gun. No. It's not a sting to get you. Although that is how some people perceive God. Now, I'm, I'm mostly speaking to folks who are growing in grace. And I don't know where everybody is on this uh, watching online, but some who may be new to faith and have only a small exposure to church or the Bible or anything like that, these are going to make sense. Yeah, I've, this is what I grew up with. This is what was portrayed to me. And I want to remind us who have been growing for a long time what many others are still seeing. And if you can't see, if you forget that, you're going to assume a perspective. But these are the real things people have in our culture. This is why people don't run to the church or run towards God, because this is the God they believe in or think exists. A glaring judge who looks over the top of a desk and just is like keeping a record of every wrong. But in Corinthians, it tells us love, God is love, keeps how many records of wrongs? None. Right there is the gospel. Right there is the gospel, folks. That's something we need to strive for, to become people who keep no record of wrongs. That's really hard. <laughs> but as the love of Christ keeps permeating your heart, 
you're going to find out that is your natural disposition anyway. That's your DNA. That is who you are. Huh. Some see God as a far off distant deity, an old man smoking a pipe, sitting in a rocking chair. <laughs> yep, I started this world and uh, they're doing fine. I just give a spin on the top. There we go. See how long that spin lasts. I'll just, <laughs> ooh, a little bit of trouble. Oh well, they'll work it out. You know, the old man who's disconnected. I've done my time. They can learn to do theirs. Maybe throw a crumb, as they say, you know, of some blessings or something. But really, how we live life is totally up to us, not God. Hmm. Doesn't really show himself, hides behind the clouds of his white beard. Misconceptions after misconception. Or the party host God. People love this one. Anything goes. Oh, God approves of everything. No problem. Go do what you want. No problem at all. You're free to follow every whim that comes your way. Don't challenge anything. Just live free. Don't engage your brain. Just live from emotion. No consequences. Oh, my goodness. Cares more about that you are happy. The party host God, making sure you have all the tools in your tool bag to have fun. All the party animals. Oh, your drink is running low. I better top that up. You can't run out. It's you that matters. It's an ego-driven God. And this is more prominent than we think. The ego-driven me, 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 serve me, 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 my needs, my needs. But what does the gospel say? What is all through the New Testament constantly? Is it self-centered love? No. It's meet the needs of, oh, no, don't say it. yes, others. We're to see how others are. Meet their needs. To not look after our, oh, shoot, own interests, but look out for the interests of, there it is again, others. This isn't going to preach well in this pandemic and crisis right now, but too bad. That's what it says. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Some see God as just a, a boss or an employer. You're the hired servant or you're just a slave and he's the master. That means you have no say. The dictator, do this, do this, do this. And I've heard this in my upbringing in multiple church settings because I've been part of so many denominations. I call myself multi-tribal. But this is the thing. It's about God said, so you must do it. So it's about rules and a big club. And they hold over you guilt, hell, shame, and everything they can to make you comply to the rules they have chosen for you to follow. That's not the church, nor is it Christ. <laughs> There's only one boss, and you're not it. You get in serious trouble. You, get your dock, you dock your pay for all your mess-ups. Your performance determines the reward of promotions, and the boss doesn't clean up. Servants do. And yet, the model for our leadership is Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, taking on the role of a servant. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. Huh. This is interesting. Or a teacher, a referee, or a coach. Now, are you starting to notice that our concept of our false concepts of God are displayed in all of our leadership roles in our society? Every kind of authority role, whether it's a parent, a teacher, referee, or coach, 
It's always focused on behavior, and I did well with this one because I didn't know how else to get people to smile if I didn't make them laugh or try to behave right, and I was really upset when I was frowned upon. I wanted to be liked, and so the people-pleasing came in really, really easily until you have multiple crises and you realize, wait a minute. So the focus is on your marks and your uh, and approving your score or your skill, legalistic about absolute details and rules to the game. But it says right here as a referee that this, when this action happens, I don't know how some of these sports referees have these rules memorized down in multiple tiers and into the rules, especially in football. When this happens, oh my goodness. You know, you see the coaches all upset going, because <laughs> they didn't read that far down or something. Who knows? And he can't memorize it all. But this is, is God like that? Is this how God wants us to live? Following the letter of, a, of the guidelines and rules to a T? So our focus, listen to this, is the rule, not him. Big difference. It isn't about you, it's about the team. Nothing individual. And yet, he individually lives in our hearts as a term. That, I, that can be used. But we're fused in our identity, one with him. We're one spirit with God. Kurt Collinger does this one really well. One of the best nerd. Yeah, Jim Willard says, all transactional, not transformational. That's exactly right. Good comment. Nerd in a box. Kurt plays this one really well. He dresses up like the weirdest nerd, the funniest glasses and... You know, however he does it. Anyway, you know, so some see God as the nerd in the box. He's not strong. They don't want anything to do with God or the church because they're seen as weak. It's actually conceivable, unlike the, the movie. Inconceivable. <laughs> but this is a conceivable God. You can control it. You can make your list. You can totally, yep, there's God. How, how big is a God that you can fully conceive? Pretty small. Easy to understand, a pushover, no mystery, easy to figure out. And when you're upset with that God, you can say, get back in your box. Okay, sorry. Oh, call me next Sunday when you get together and I'll come back out of my box. People see God that way. You'd be surprised. And again, most of us, we've been in the church and growing into much deeper, wider understandings. But you've got to remember where you came from, too. You gotta remember who you've connected with and where people are at potentially. Alan Hirsch, um, him and Michael Frost came to speak at a couple of events with Vision Ministries over the years. And uh, each, each one when they came, oh, it was really good, like really deep. And so Alan Hirsch, and he, he has some, a list of wonderful things as well. In fact, I just got his book. Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch called Re-Jesus, remaking the church in our founder's image, not in our political or cultural image. This is, uh, and it's, this has got like a um, small group guided each chapter. Like this is worth looking at, okay? Just saying. If your conception of God is radically false, then the more devout you are, the worse it will be for you. Does that make sense? If it's wrong and you're more devout, you're more devout to the wrongness, the wrong false concept. You're opening your soul to be molded by something else. You had much better, you're much better off being an atheist. William Temple said that. How many have ever taken typing lessons? Anybody here? 
React, put your fingers on, and then by the end, you have to do it fast. Well, I've done this before. In fact, I learned how to, Lori does it really well, but I've learned how to type and look, and I have less mistakes to fill now. But what happens if I'm typing out God is love and all sorts of good news, but the whole time I was off by one letter or happened to have been on the wrong row but my fingers are typing the right letters in my mind to what the keyboard should be. Can you imagine the garble that would be on the screen? Just by off by one, just one, oops. How many times have we done that? And here, I think this is where people have really gone astray. And the joy of discovering a more hope-filled perspective on who God is matters. And our kids need to hear it. Our friends need to hear it. When the time is right, we, I don't think we should be pushing this on anyone. I think having the self-awareness here of all these concepts, when you start to hear people's phrases and comments and the conversation naturally can be had, then have that conversation. Don't push Jesus on anybody. Some see God as the superstar judge, American Idol, The Voice, or America's Got Talent. <laughs> the runaway model God, highlighting imperfections, only looking for perfect. You're not good enough, therefore don't measure up to God's standards. This happens a lot. You're off pitch. You can't sing. Get out of here. Um, then you hear the booze. Simon Cowell, you know, he's pretty harsh and blah, 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 but now he's gotten a lot softer. Uh, you're not beautiful enough. The external, your voice is, be uh, is better, be better be good because your scars are ugly. Like, it is a horrific external judgment. And we do that to others. And we think God may see us that way. These aren't proper concepts of who God is. Here's another misconception. Spooky Jesus. This was funny from, from uh, uh, Alan. This is a throbbing heart. Eat my heart on a dark, foggy night. Like This is like a horror movie kind of thing. That there's this scary one watching you and sneaking in and better watch out. Here's going to get you. So, but what this does, it creates a concept that God was not fully human, that Jesus was not fully human. Jesus is not scary. Don't set it up for your kids that God's scary. He's not. Buddy Yo, this is funny. <laughs> youth group, Yo God. I remember, I remember praying as a youth group, you know, teaching kids how to pray. And I said, okay, just say these words. Sure, yeah, anything goes. You know, and it, you know, the intent is good. But when we teach people that God's got your back, which he does, uh, celebrate him as your friend, yes, you can, and personal savior, the problem is there is a lack of respect that comes out of that. It can't just be, buddy, yo, life's a party because now you're blending a whole bunch of false concepts of God. Is God approachable that way? Absolutely, yes. But when that's the only picture you have of God, that's a false concept of who God is. There's much more depth and growth to happen from buddy, yo. <laughs> just so you see the comparison. Sunday school Jesus. You remember this one? This is all about cute art and kids. They, they, learn, they learn the Bible stories. Some kids have been taught to make sure the Bible stories are repeated exactly correct, and they correct other kids, and they look like a teacher's pet. All kinds of stuff goes on. The assumption is Jesus is for little children, but yet God, we go to Paul for that. We don't look at Jesus for, for the, to the real truth because Jesus loves the little children. But we're all children, really. So 
to package God as just the Sunday school Jesus is a false concept. It's an incomplete picture. Academic Jesus. When you see things as only deep and articulate, go to the Greek and Hebrew and translations. Dogmatism comes in because now it's about being more right than someone else. Higher criticism. Uh, it's all about critiquing. It's about word for word. Paulism. <laughs> Paul would be appalled. <laughs> the question is, where is Jesus? Where is the relationship? Where is the love? Where is the mystery? The bottom answer is love. God is love. Everything we're talking about comes back to God as love. Everything. Jesus is my boyfriend, my troubadour, which is a musician, a poet, songwriter. Worship songs, sometimes. We've, we've, we've talked to the worship team about this a couple times. There's a couple songs that seem all, huh, <laughs> not sure about that one. Is there room for it? Yes, there's room for it. But that is not who God is. And when we push that as the only picture of who God is, we're not telling the whole story. Not at all. It's not about the romantic love and this is about agape. Our worship music is laced with this stuff. Very individualistic and very subjective. Be careful with that. That's not who God is. God is bigger than the music. Wider. Even the songs today were perfect. I loved them. That spoke to the heart and depth. And it spoke about love. It spoke about those kinds of things, but not as the sole thing. Schmaltzy Jesus? I, this one was funny. So what's schmaltzy Jesus? <laughs> it's artistic. It's about made beautiful, softening the harshness of life and writing, sweet and sentimental. No pain, all beauty. Hey, peace, man. You know, unfortunately, it's not realistic. The images create limitations. Images made in our image. Denominations bend God into their image. When you strike out or cannot explain some of the tougher conversations and make it all about just you know, the, the uh, uh, art and God is love, which is good, and ignore some of the difficult passages, we also are not honest about who God is. It's getting to those difficult passages that we have trouble sometimes. And uh, we're exploring them. And so are you. And there isn't one solid answer for all of it, necessarily. So God is not just a schmaltzy, hey, it's all right. <laughs> Matthew 16 says, and we ended with this last week, and we'll end with this today. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Or who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Right there is the key to all of our quote-unquote evangelism. It is God who does the revealing. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that have false concepts of who God is. And I've given you a pretty good list and maybe you actually recognize some of them. <laughs> I hope that gives you some inspiration to not just let people stay stuck in their false concepts of God. And as the Holy Spirit gives you opportunity, then share in those opportunities. Don't push it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Just like God went directly to Peter and said, this is who Jesus is. 
And Jesus recognized that and went, wow, that's so cool. My dad told you that. That's awesome. Yeah. This is the good news. A more beautiful faith. Unlearning what needs to be unlearned, revisiting topics we need to revisit, question those things we were never allowed to question, and keep growing. We need to keep growing. There's no arrival. And again, the list I just gave you, you may not have that concept of God yourself. Somewhere in the list, there are people that have concepts like that. And that's the only one they have, or they're very limited in those. And yet, let's find a better, more hopeful perspective. Because the God I'm growing to learn to love more and more is bigger and wider than I can possibly explain. Just can't do it justice. Next week, we're going to get into a better concept of who God is, not who he isn't, which is today. So next week, who is God? Who is Jesus? Give us some images and perspectives. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. That's it for now. Heavenly Father, will you encourage us to reevaluate our concepts of who you are? If it doesn't finish with God is love, then please help us unlearn those faulty ideas that have been put in our minds. Those fears that have driven us, Father, drive those out because the love of Christ is in us, which drives out fear. May we live from your love and your faith that you've put into us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. A couple more hellos, and then we are done. So we got Rod and Gail. Good morning. And then Alan said yes, they're up by Georgian Bay. Very good. Well, this week, for those that find value in connecting here, this is how you can share and participate in the finances. Um, next Sunday, don't forget to do your uh, pre-register. And then, of course, Zoom is not happening today after church. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks, Terrell and Megan, for music. That was awesome. I appreciate all of you so much. Thanks. Have a great day.